kind of have a history of like turning things down. Yeah. Right. That you should have. What is that about? A fear, I think. Club. We have had unbelievable lines where there have been people that laughed and the laughs we've had. Club How are you? I'm good. Hi, William. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, please. For Listen, for this kind of money, it's so exciting. <laughs> See, I knew it. Because you give millions of dollars to candidates <laughs> and, and to give me nothing uh, to take an... And by the way, thanks for the Uber. <laughs> How do you say to this guy? I've given millions to Canadians. You have? Well, I mean, I when you play Toronto, the taxes are pretty high. Oh, you poor thing. No. <laughs> oh my no, but, God. So no, you but, you you well, you finish like if you're playing three thousand people, let's say at O'Keefe Center or whatever. Yeah. Called, you leave with nothing, probably. Right? <laughs> well, it's Canadian money, so it's practically worthless. But <laughs> oh, that's nice of you. <laughs> no, you're not to be invited back. No. Uh, I always love playing it, but uh, yeah, well, it's every state, don't you? When you see your taxes, you you see. I have no interest in money. Well, that's, I don't. That, I mean, that's I, very Canadian. Well, it's also because I didn't grow up. You know, I, we, I grew up with some money. My father was, you know, a big steel executive, and so. And you have a lot of money. So you don't have to worry about money. It's the people who don't have money who worry about money. Of yeah, course. what's that about? That's so weird. <laughs> it's like, I want to say, guys, just dip into your inheritance. But they look at me like I'm weird or something. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I love the fact, I was talking about this to somebody. How here. much are you worth now? Let me guess. <laughs> well, first of all, <laughs> even if I knew to the penny, I wouldn't say, but here's what I will say that I think What, is, what about, uh, um, where's my rum? Rum. I had rum once. Here. This looks well, look like look at that. Rum. There it is. Um, you mean this big, giant brown <laughs> yeah. bottle anyway. you, you couldn't find? No, I know. Um, mm -hmm. wh what did you just ask me? How much you were worth to the cent. Oh, what's interesting now about that, I don't know exactly, is that when I was, I remember my first, like being in my first house. This is like a high school drink, isn't it? Uh, yeah. No. High school, high school drink is like a Southern Comfort. This yeah, it used to be Ryan Ginger, too, when I was a kid. But like when I, I used to reconcile the checkbook to the penny. To the penny, you know. The, what do you mean get, reconcile? What is that? Like mean? the checks come back, the checks you wrote, and then they come back. And you oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Your own checks. Yeah. And I would, so I, I could have told you, in you know, 1985 or something, like how much money I had to the penny. <laughs> and, well, and if it was off, you know, I'd do something about it. I. That's what Steve said once. We were like in, you know, we had finished the show. We're now in the private plane. We're flying along. Right. And I, I said to him. Uh, I said, did you used to like, like he, uh, he still can't believe, he always says, can you believe this plane? You know, he's been, he still can't get over how great it all feels. Well. But he said he, oh, he said in the early days he used to be with a little calculator, calculating, you know, how much he'd made that night. I remember my father, and you know, it's so, uh, we have so much in common. Like, for example, we both think you're great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, so many things when I think about my childhood, I think about your autobiography, which is fantastic. I must say, perfect title also. Um, but I well, it's a, my, I must say, Colin, my life is a humble comedy legend. Right. <laughs> right. But I remember my father doing, we would, after church on Sunday, we would stop at the Sinclair station, the dinosaur gas. Yeah. 
and uh, which ironically, since it comes from dead dinosaurs, <laughs> carbon, <laughs> you know. So um, we, maybe that's why they named the company that. But he would do the, he would, we would pay for the gas, which was probably 29 cents a gallon. Yeah, I know. Or something. And he would have mileage. There was something that was on the back of an envelope he kept in the visor up there. And he would take it down, and there was a pencil, and he would figure out the mileage, how much gas was going, whatever whatever calculation it was, whatever 29 cents it was going to save him. <laughs> it was very important that he do that every now, was that is that because he was worried about money or just cons- didn't want to waste it? <laughs> Both, you yeah. know, just like an obsessive yeah. about, he grew up in the Depression. People who grew up in the Depression do tend to... Oh, absolutely. You know, be just very, um, you know, my father... It's also interesting, that generation, they weren't concerned about, you know, was this fulfilling? They were just trying to get food on the table to feed their children and feed the yeah. family. Yes, and you know when you've gone through that. I'm. I was saying to somebody here recently. I'm so glad that I had the experience of poverty. I didn't like going through it, but I'm very glad I had it because it makes everything. Just well, how poor were you? I mean, you were poor, you know, and it's funny you don't poor like by by any definition. You're of talking poor, about when you're a young man out, out of yes, the house. When yeah. I, yes, by any definition of poor in America, not poor in the world. No, you can go to Cuba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's a different. You're so sympathetic to poor people. Yeah, <laughs> right. I know. Poor people. Yeah, yeah. The bill hovels. Yeah, I got it. Shanties. Okay. I, yeah, dirt. We, yeah, yeah. we get good, it. Good, so, good, good, you know, good. Yeah. But uh, in America, if you consider living in shitty apartments, I mean, the worst. Yes, I had a, a, it, the first step above homeless. Just the horrible apartments, um, bugs. You know, no toilet, no uh, shower, you know, really humble. And also just having to watch the penny. I used to, uh, my first year in comedy, I would go home on the weekends because I couldn't get on at the clubs on the weekends. That was for the big acts. I couldn't get on the week either, but I was at least possible. <laughs> you know, you could go on at two in the morning in front of a drunk. Uh, but I would, so I would go home on the weekends and I would, my mother would save the newspaper all week, and I would read them over the weekend to save a quarter to buy the New York Times every day. That's poor. That's poor. So how much would you be making a week? Nothing from comedy yet. Not the first year. Nobody has hired you to do anything. You know? And if you went on at Catch a Rising Star, you got cab fare and a hamburger. So at some point, I was starting to get that. It's hard to live on hamburger. No, it's not Although easy. I, I feel like I did. See, mine was the opposite. So my, you know, I was still in our family house after my parents had died because my yeah. mother died at seventeen, my father died at twenty, and I was the youngest yes. of five. So, but we still had a housekeeper. So I'd say, Wow, you had a housekeeper? Oh yeah. So I said to like Phoebe Harris, her name was, and I, Phoebe would say, Now. Um, you're, you're going out tonight. Do you, do you need... I said, well, I'm bringing some people back, but don't worry. So we'd come back at 11, about 12 of us all drunk and stoned, and there'd be a full tea service set up on the dining room table. You know what I mean? She wasn't quite understanding the group I was bringing back. Is this in the book? 
I must have missed this. No, I might have left that out. Seriously? I don't know. I can't Because I don't remember that. What I remember is that you and I, I was like this, this parallel lives that we were living in our, in our bedrooms in two different countries, like the thing with the tape recorder. Yeah, you yeah. When I got that tape recorder, the Wallensack tape recorder, that my father, who worked in radio, he got a, I thought, you know, but it was like, you know, shoebox size. Right. And I, I would tape the songs off the radio. I taped Johnny Carson's um, art... Fern sketches and transcribe them word for word. Oh, I used to write because I had an imaginary television show in the book, and I would write a thing up for TV Guide highlights bottom. Marty and Tony sing medley of songs that weren't nominated. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was so. I, and I, I even had a gooseneck lamp that I'd put up because even then I knew I needed lighting. You know, so I'd put it up and I'd record my show and then record. Yeah, I would. I was on video. No, 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 audio. Audio. Yeah, yeah I had a recorder. reel to reel, but I also had a oh. little one oh. with the applause on it. Oh. So I would stop <laughs> and that, and then I would have, and then I would, you know, I was even then at fifteen into Sinatra, so I would, like, um, September of my years, oh. I would, you know, it, but I had to sing in Frank's keys, so it'd go. I still have recordings of this. Someday you look around and you're older. You know, and I'm singing songs about songs and love ago. Well, why were, again, these two kids into a man alone? I live alone. That hasn't always been easy to do. For a uh, single oh man. Yeah. Like, now I listen to it, and it's like, perfect. It's, uh, I talked about this on a, with Seth MacFarlane <laughs> recently, because he's the third person in the world who knows this album. Is that true? Yeah, well, who does? It was a, <laughs> It again, didn't even really sell at the time. Of Rob course McFarlane. not. It was a concept album put out in 1969, written by a gay poet, Rod McEwen, a gay poet, and it's a theme album. Now, now it's like perfect for me, a man alone, Learning. Sinatra at the time would have said, I want to do the recording of that marvelous gay poet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He probably would have said other things that were not politically correct. I, would say, I, would think, I, I don't I would think, think Frank that. would have done well in the age of wokeness. No, no, I don't think so. I can't say you're a $2 broad. What's what this are you world? talking about? <laughs> I know. I used to, but, even that has changed so fast. I used to have a joke about Steve that I said, you know, Steve is so amazing because he. Even when we go to a restaurant, he always knows the waitress's name. And what's amazing is that, A, he knows their name, and B, that they're all, all called Dollface. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't even say, you'd have to say a server now. He, he says Dollface? No, he doesn't. Uh, it's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I used to have a joke in our show, like at the end, because we kind of merged shows. I had my own show, and Steve had a banjo show, and eventually right. we merged them. Yeah. And, you know, at my show, I'd, a woman would bring out a glass of champagne at the end, and I'd say, I, I like my champagne like I like my women. Compliments of the Capitol Theater. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then someone came up to me That's and uh, said, you, you know, you can't do that anymore. And I said, but everyone is laughing. Everyone is laughing at that. Why La- can't I do it? Oh, you're so 20th. <laughs> laughing? Have you seen comedy lately on... Uh, Netflix and a lot of the places that have some of the younger comedians laughing is that's that's it's frankly kind of corny, like doing jokes and oh, getting jokes. and getting laughs. 
No, it's about feelings, Marty. Maybe you should catch up with the times. No, it's about how you feel about things. I'd kill for it to be about feelings. It'd be so much easier. And also, I could bring up my parents. My parents died. You lost everybody. I lost everybody. You could do the, the victimiest show ever. You lost everybody before their real time. Your brother, your mother, your father, your wife. All That's the right. most important people in your life. It's, it's amazing that you, you perfectly balance between the right amount of grief and the like, no, but I'm still Martin Short and life does go on. Because well, we and a weird thing with my, you know, my wife was different. We were together for 38 yes. years. That was, that's that horrible tragedy that I still live with. By my parents and my brother, it was a weird thing. I don't know why. Because what I knew with it at 20, I knew something that no one else at 20 knew about loss and death. Right. So it, it, I think in that thing, you know, if I become a drug addict and a drunk, they would have said, well, you know, because he lost his parents and brother. And, so but, what's my excuse? <laughs> I don't know. No, I think that it just, um, for me, it was kind of, I don't know. It wasn't, imp- you know, also 1970 in Hamilton, there was no, you didn't go to a therapist. You just rode your bike and tried to figure it out. And that kind of muscle, yeah, you know, protects you your whole life. Why yeah. do you think two 15-year-old boys who cannot understand this man's point of view at all He's looking back on his life. He was 50-ish when he recorded it. And it's all about, you know, everything is very wistful about decades. The girls along the way, there was a girl in Portland. Portland. Uh, We used to court on. Yeah, it's all about. It was weird back then. Nothing we could relate to. No, but, but, but also, even in his album, September of My Years, he's 50, talking about, you know. Yes. But we didn't, but that's not the one we clung to. No, we, no, no, no. We it's love true. this man alone. I, the, I know the, every word. Every, and also it can make me cry. And there was, yes, and there was um, poetry that Frank read, not sang. Yes. In between, and some of it's very dark. Yeah. Uh, empty. Empty is empty the sky. Is. Is. Yeah, then it, there's yeah. a song, but yeah. before that it's like empty. And then there's one about... Uh, I can just about get through the day, but the night the makes me nervous. Well, by the way, that's kind of brilliant, isn't it? Not for any particular reason. It just sometimes <laughs> catches you Unaware. and follows you around like a woman when she wants something. You remember that line? Absolutely. I was like, <laughs> I was like well, there's a, there's a little hint that the author was a gay guy. It was like, oh, girlfriend. Don't when you no, want something. No, I never interpreted that way. Uh, well, that, no. Now I do. Now that I know it. No, when I was know, a kid. Yes. Well, I think even as a kid, I understood the Rod McEwen angle. Although maybe do you think they printed that back then? Would they even he, have said uh, no, no, they, no? No, they would have said homosexual. No, no. He never. I never knew he was gay. <laughs> Till now. Then. Well, no, no, no. I'd heard whisperings. Right. In the last decade, because <laughs> <laughs> everyone's whispering about Rod McEwen. I saw you at the Globes. Yes. You're such an A-lister. It's very nice that you would still slum here with your old comedy friends. Well, because I just want to see a... how you're doing. Because <laughs> you're always, you're on those smoky clubs. Yeah, smoky yeah. clubs. No, you, you are, yeah, you're an A-lister. That's... Oh, wait a second. Why? Did... Like your no, crowd. Like you're is not it... an A-lister. No. And, In what way you're... Well, <laughs> well, other than you don't know anyone... I know that I know them. <laughs> but, wanna, they don't want to be with you. Um, some of them don't. 
Yes, that's true. I'm Who's definitely the biggest A-lister? I'm you, definitely not woke. Who's the biggest A-lister you've pissed off? There are woke assholes who, like a lot of this town are woke assholes, actually, who, like, they really think their shit don't stink, and they don't know a lot, again, about stuff, but they definitely know uh, what they should know. And people who don't agree with that, um, they just don't want to be around. They don't want to breathe the same air. And, you know... It's not like I'm a Trumper or something. I mean, those people they wouldn't even talk to. And I think that's a very bad thing for this country um, when you don't talk to each other. No, it's insane. So, but there is an insanity also about facts don't matter anymore, the alternative facts approach. On both sides. Yes, worse on the right, and they invented yeah, 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 it. Yeah, but, you know, that's, I, I do think that's different. You, know, you can say on both sides everything, but when it's here and no, no, here... No. Well, I mean, yes, I say, I always say the right is worse. It's still worse to deny democracy. But, you know. That's not even democracy, Bill. That's conceptual to a lot of people who don't understand it. It's denying January 6th. It's denying just the alternative facts. Yeah, That's absolutely. Well, I don't think anyone was harder or meaner on Trump or more prescient about how he was not going to leave office. So you really were. My, my and, you know, I watch, as you know, I'm a fan. I appreciate And I watch it. you every yeah. week. And you said that you were the first person to say it, and everyone would be on your show saying, well... Yeah, they were all poo-pooing. Yeah, yeah, There yeah. was so much poo-poo around that stage. And it's only because, in fairness to the poo-pooers, it seems so improbable. <laughs> yeah. It seemed like a fan... That, they would go even That's, even Donald it was, Trump it was so wouldn't, ob- wouldn't have the capital no, storm. It was so obviously inevitable. Yeah. He's not a, a guy who changes. No, but, he, he, the one thing but, you can say about Donald Trump is he's transparent. But here's because what, there's nothing mysterious. Here's, here's what they say to that about like um, you know, denying facts. And I understand it to a degree because I spent a long time um, lecturing the Republicans on how ridiculous it was to deny what was happening with the environment and global warming. Right. Um, And now I have to talk, and they would say, well, you know, climate change is just a theory. And now there's people on the left who think that biology is just a theory. You know, it's that kind of stuff. Men can have babies kind of stuff that makes people go... Trump is nuts. That's true. We know that. But this is a different kind of nuts that's closer to my house because you're, you know, my kids are coming home from school and they're like, am I queer? Because, like, I, I, it's great that we could, like, let kids come out and be themselves when they are, but they're, it, it, it's gotten a little, like, um, entrapment with the FBI, you know, like, a lot of times they catch a terrorist group, the FBI, and it turns out, well, these guys really weren't going to do anything, but an FBI agent got in there and kept suggesting it, you know, wouldn't it be great if you, like, you know, uh, showed the infidel a thing or two by blowing up that bank? I could get you some explosives, and, you know, this is called entrapment. Right. Okay, so it's like, it, because we have this principle that, well, you shouldn't get punished for just accepting the suggestion because the suggestion is a little leading. I think that's somewhat what goes on in schools. That's what some parents are complaining about. It's like, we're not against homosexuality, but when every book is, you know, <laughs> Bobby can wear a dress, <laughs> the kid gets it in his head, you know, and it's a confusing time. I mean... No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I know many, you know, I raised my kids in the Catholic schools. You did? Not intentionally, but the school was close to us, and it was the best school. It's always the best school. Yeah. 
And so we said, and then I didn't realize, of course, because I went to public school that, you know, by eighth grade, they want to go to high school with their friends. So suddenly they're all in high school, Catholic high schools. And so, but I have a lot of good friends who are Republican, who are Catholic, and they don't like Trump. Right. They don't like him, but they think he's a, the left is nuts. Exactly. He's... Uh, he, they, that's what they always say to me. What you don't get about us is we don't like him either, but he's a bulwark between this kind of crazy stuff because he just looks, you know, he wants the old America and there's some bad things with the old America. Uh, but now it's different, Bill. Now, this is not Trump in 2016. This is really, really, really unleashed Trump. And it's more. I I think. I think he's exactly the same. He was. He was. Everyone's going to be Stephen Miller. He's, if he's reelected president, it will be. It will be. Well, you know, it's definitely going to be worse because he already. <clears throat> Elise Stefanik will be VP. You're well, going to have Stephen Mar- Secretary of State Marjorie Taylor Greene. Well, like an opportunistic infection, he has learned, and <laughs> what <laughs> from the first time he has grown stronger as infections do. No, he's grown. No, he's not the problem. He's, he's not mentally unstable. Forget very him. much. It's the people around him that should be ashamed. The Ted Cruz. Well, ash- the maybe, Josh- they, maybe they should be ashamed, but it's very much about him. It's all about him. It's so funny. Like when Biden was elected. The whole deal kind of was like, just vote for me. I know I'm not perfect. I'm this old dude. Nobody really likes me. But here's the deal. If you elect me, we can stop thinking about Donald Trump. That's true. <laughs> what we do still is think about He's on there every day. It just never stopped. I don't think You know, he- I, I'm kind of obsessed with CNN and, and, you know, all the networks that not, you know, I, but I, I'm, I'm news obsessed. But even in the last month, I, I thought, okay. Let me guess. Trump Hunter. Yep. Okay. I can't, I can't do it. I, can't, I need a why do you? Why do you still watch all that news? It's bad for you. I know it is. No, I, no, I, I never watch cable news anymore. Really? And, or any news. I used to watch the nightly news for years. And well, where then, do you get your information? Make it up? <laughs> I talked to... I, I, I'm hearing. That's it. I'm hearing. What, it's, it's, whatever, I'm hearing. it's whatever I'm hearing. What I'm hearing. Well, you need more than that? No, you know you don't. No uh, facts. No facts. I'm hearing. No, uh, from reading. Reading people I respect and... Uh, right. You know, and the newspaper. I'm much as, uh, I don't want to get started on the New York Times, but that's just not the paper it was when I was a kid, and it's, it's annoying in a zillion different ways. But they still Yeah, but have, that's like an older guy. You know, when I was no, a kid, no, no, the no, paper no, was no. what I liked. Well, I could I could actually show you passages from because sometimes I've saved things and I look from from passage from 1990 and it's something they would never write today. And then they write stupid things today. It's a completely different generation that has a completely different idea about journalism. And the opinion page is every page. That is a fundamental difference. I did not change, Mr. Short. They changed. The front page used to be just the news, just give me the facts. The, the headline today was something like, Trump's victory, something the nation's psyche. What the fuck are you? That's not a headline. What was That's it? your what lead. Was it? it was the, like Trump's, Trump's. he just won Iowa. Yeah. Trump's victory, like something, I forget what, something in the nation's oh, psyche. Oh, you mean, so, yeah, I see what you mean. So it's like, like an editorial as opposed to just give me the yeah, facts, ma'am. That's, that's, just, that's just somebody's thought. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's different. And fucked up. 
That's not, but they also- So what's they, your favorite newspaper? But they, where, do you, where, where do you get oh, your- Oh, I, I don't have a favorite newspaper. They don't, uh, USA Today probably, but I very rarely see it. Jay Leno used to call it America's school newspaper. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a perfect description yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't get it from newspaper. I, I like the free press. That's my friend Barry Weiss. Her organization. Um, she is she, fantastic. Yes, she and her wife are uh, amazing writers, and um, she's a great podcast. Yeah, it's the whole thing is is and and they have writers I like. Um, I love Andrew Sullivan is on my first. I love show, Andrew. Is, is, yeah, I mean people like that who are sensible. They're all liberal. They're all, by any standard, liberal. Well, Andrew, uh, I thought was conservative. You know, I think he's pretty. He was. Again, they they switch the goalposts. I think he's always been, yeah, a little right of center. He is a, a devout Catholic, um, but you know, he's I, I don't know. I don't remember where he was in 1990 or anything. But I think he he's always been a sensible guy. Maybe he, you know, people change a little, but um, no, I just think he's reacting as I am to the times and to the changes on both left and right. No, I know. I totally agree. I actually agree. No, I do. I do. I agree that it, it's a struggle. That's why I, you know, a lot of people can't keep their, if they're left, they can't keep their right friends. And I totally think that's a mistake. That's what I'm saying. Yes, no, I agree. It's horrible. And, and, because but, originally, I, but I also understand the frustration uh, from the right to the left and left to the right, obviously, but left to I mean, the right. To get back to what brought this up, you asked me, like, are there people in this town who would? Oh yeah, like, that was a yeah. At, no, like, I, I think yes, I asked there you are, who's there the are... biggest A-lister you pissed off. That's oh, what we started. I, right. Um, I can't think. Um, I don't know. I don't know directly, but uh, you know, in general, you just know. I mean, I've had some uh, you know pretty famous actors here, and and it's like. They live in a different reality sometimes, and uh, and they don't want you know artists like thinking ain't their big thing. A lot of them, it's what with notable exceptions, but like they perceive reality like artistically. I've known this. I've I've dated artistic like women who are artists, and it's like okay, like the way we just get information and and process it is very different. It's an artistic interpretation, and I can't live in that world. I like reality, you know, mm-hmm. and like there's like you're a very reality based star and a great star, as Don Rickles would say. You're a great star. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's just so weird to be. But a star. you are you are yeah. one of the few celebrity panel we have on the panel. We have on real time. Very few celebrities do the panel. Um, you can do anybody can do a one on one and it doesn't. But, you know, you can go from. Crazy man, you <laughs> to like <laughs> like in in a in thirty seconds you're making a really salient serious point. That's that's a skill very few people have. That's why very few celebrities do the panel. I mean, most of them don't. Are they walk. scared to do it? Of course, and they should be. They're yeah. idiots. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is why the A listers don't like you because exactly. you call them idiots. Well, they are. Well, not all of them. It's a, there's well, a few. There's well, of course, there's idiots in every industry. It's just here they speak. And they, it's like, no, and they're all just so indoctrinated into kind of like the same group think. You know, you just really need a chisel to pry your way in there and and try to get like just some other, 
thought and you know it's okay but yes that is one one reason why well we um, started with me at the golden globes and i'm an a-lister that's how we started you are such an a-lister you're you're at these things you're in the well, because company i'm nominated the, what am i supposed to I know, not show but, up? but i'm just saying your whole <laughs> i'm trying to give you a compliment i know too. you are and i'm not and, accepting and, it. And i know and it's and look i don't miss this at all i remember all the years i went to the award shows yeah, oh my yeah. god and like you could not wait to get home and rip off that fucking monkey no, suit true. and eat some food. And it was just like, stop smiling. And it's, just, ugh, it was exhausting. Not like I'm complaining about my life. Yeah, I know, I know. It's <laughs> okay. what a horrible thing. Yeah. And you're in a tuxedo yeah. and, and you're then the next, surrounded by a share. <laughs> the next day when I was in the shale mine with a pick, <laughs> I was like, this is better. No, okay, no, I, I understand how privileged I am. Okay, uh, but... It was it was gross. I will and tell you I the Golden Globe this year. I don't was, miss that world. It was insane how many famous people were there, and maybe because of the, the I don't know. It's the first award. I don't know. It was packed with every table. Yeah, was, was legendary. Yeah, biggest show business, you know, was fired for six months, and they You're were right. looking and back to get back. back. Everybody's always busy, and it's hard to find wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with meals delivered straight to your door. So you'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. And during the day, avoid that bag of chips or candy bar with lunch to go. Effortless meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. Head to factormeals.com slash random50 and use code random50 to get 50% off. That's code random50 at factormeals.com slash random50 to get 50% off. You need to hire the right people. The best way to do that is with ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash random. ZipRecruiter helps you find better employees by using a powerful matching tech and then lets you send them a personal invite to apply for the job. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash random. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash random. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You know what's so interesting about what? your... your ch- <laughs> what, what's interesting? I killed to hear something interesting. <laughs> That's so cruel. I know it isn't. Uh, no, it isn't. I was it's filled say, with love. The- <laughs> it's filled with love. You know I love you. I do. We, we have dinners. You know, La Dolce Vita is back. I was there just recently. It, yeah, it, it's it, hipper. I, I didn't see a big change except that... The carpet. <laughs> was that really? There's a carpet. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I'm telling you, they closed Boy, for six months, put in a carpet. Playing a detective really paid off. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm no fool. Yeah, I'm like I'm looking everywhere. But um, oh, and you know, even though who are you up against? You're up against somebody who beat you. But it's like, oh, I lose all it to the bear. The, the bear. Yeah, I guess I got Allen. White. I got to catch up with the bear. But um, it's so the whole concept is so silly. Like just to. The competition, why is it like <laughs> two completely different universes and we're trying to compare them? I know. I it's, know. It's, it's all promotion for your. It family. is. Yes. No, Madonna once said it to Kanye West. I read, she said, 
you don't go to an award show expecting justice. <laughs> and that's really the, you know, so, but... Kanye had all his teeth removed, I heard, today. Are you, are you is this a... No, no, and putting a platinum like uh, the Bond villain. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm serious. Wait, had all... I don't his, have all my facts, but had platinum all, teeth or something. Had all his teeth removed? Yeah. It always amazes me when people do cosmetic things that have serious repercussions for actual health. Well, I've always been amazed by tattoo because I look at myself <clears throat> in the 80s and I have like Robert Culp glasses and, and, a, and a beaver cleaver hairdo. <laughs> and I think, what if I had tattooed that look on my face in 1982 right. and it was, that was the look forever. <laughs> I know. You know. Could there be anything stupid than to lock in your feelings lock in, in your feelings. ink at the age of 20? <laughs> that's right. But of course... That's you the, know, it's one thing you said that was really, I've quoted a million times about, you said, when I was 12, I wanted to be a pirate, but I'm glad my parents <laughs> didn't cut off a leg and take one eye out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but that's the, that was the trans thing. And look, we don't, we don't want to get in on serious issues here. You're a big star. You're a fantastic well, uh, star. Uh, by the way, I didn't say it, you did. I'm an A-lister. You're, you are an A-lister, and you, you know, and I don't think it's just because you're a power couple with Meryl Streep. I, I mean, that's certainly... You're not a couple. We are just very close friends. Oh. Yeah. Well, you should, because there's nothing more powerful than Hollywood than a power couple. That's why they they're always... Worked for the Burtons. They always worked for Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. It worked for Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Everybody, they're like an electron. Roseanne and Tom Arnold? And a proton. Like they need to, they circle each other until they, you know, I'm not <laughs> quite up on the chemistry. But yeah, I was going to say, there's it was something like, about it. like a, being with a scientist. An electron, really <laughs> an electron <laughs> and a proton have to find each other. Yeah, right. And they just have to find each other. And, they, right. and they do. Because look at Timothy Chalamet and Kylie Jenner now. That, and by the way, it's I know like, you don't think so, but they're going to last. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody had a joke. Because if they break up, I got to look in the mirror in the morning and say, what do I believe in anymore? Somebody tried to sell me a joke. I didn't do it. Maybe I should have about when uh, Rihanna and ASAP Rocky got together and the joke was... Uh, <laughs> and that's how I predict this will end. ASAP Rocky. <laughs> what? And that's how I predict this relationship will end. ASAP and Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> I know a great joke. I remember a great joke oh. you did years ago when you, when, um, I guess Kanye and Kim named their first child Northwest. <laughs> Northwest, yeah. Yeah, and you said, I can't, and you know she's going to be an actress. And I can't wait for the casting director to come in and say, you know, I'm sorry, we've gone in a different direction. <laughs> I said that? Yes. I have zero recollection show. of that. That yeah. is great. Yeah. Well, I have some great monologue writers. Oh, my That's, God. Yeah. It really, really, really is a great. It's a perfect Did, concept. You know, I, you, as you know, I used to do Politically Incorrect with you. I, I don't know that. You don't, <laughs> Can you you don't remember that? Do you remember that sign? What sign? That sign right there, that giant politically... Yeah, it was there. I was on with Sarah Ferguson once. Sarah Ferguson? Princess. Princess? Oh. Yeah, the Duchess of York. 
I got in trouble on a show. Yes, you did. <laughs> okay, that was the one. Not, let's not go into it. Okay. We don't need to go into <laughs> no, it. No. But I was there. But I will tell you, you said something was like a little controversial. Yeah. And then. <laughs> More than a little. And then you turned to me and said, aren't you going to say anything? I said, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you were always were more mature. Oh, no. that's what I was going to say. Like you and your room, um, me and my room. Now, my room was like, n- honestly, not much bigger than this configuration we're sitting in now, just this square. I literally was able to paper my wall once with something I made. Okay, so I'm in my room and you're in your room and you're actually doing a show. Yeah. You're dreaming of show business but actually doing a show. I had a deal with NBC as 14. Imaginary. And even then, I knew I was on Tuesdays at 8 p.m., but every other Tuesday because <laughs> I needed time for my film career. Oh, I, <laughs> I used to sit, I used to I sit on the back saying. of a bus. This is true. A back of a bus. You know how, you know, a bus, like the back seat window. Yes, like I know that. a bus. Yeah. Well, I don't remember. <laughs> I anymore, remember I, I was poor, unlike you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Little yeah, Lord yeah. Fauntleroy. And, um, but I used to pretend I was in a private plane <laughs> and wave. No, it was so wow. imaginary. Okay, but here's the difference what? between us, I think. I don't know, maybe you did the same thing. I did not have my own show in my little room. We were both dreaming about show business. Yeah. I channeled it differently. What I did beginning at the age of 12, was masturbate. And the fantasy was always that I, at 12 years old, had a talk show. And it Wait was, a second, it let, was let me a, understand how this works. It was in a tent in the... You are masturbating. Yes. Thinking, but not to a, a pretty girl. Oh, yeah. Masturbating it's, to all the guests <laughs> who were coming on my... Or the or who are, were fans or whatever. But I... I imagined I had a, uh, I was a kid with a talk show. That was like the hook. And uh, it was in a tent. <laughs> we shot it in a tent in my backyard. And, and this is why you're masturbating. Yes, because you have to have a scenario when you're masturbating. Okay. This don't is, you? This is, I consider myself one of the saner masturbators in the world because I have no weird fantasies. Mine were just like, oh, this super hot chick digs me a lot <laughs> and wants to fuck me. I mean, that's healthy. But and what does that do with the talk show? Because why, <laughs> why else would a super hot chick want to fuck a 12-year-old? Oh, because, oh, you mean <laughs> you have that kind of power. I had a talk show. I had a show. I'm saying you did your show in my room. I did mine in my mind, and it was all about... I think my story is the story of a very <laughs> healthy young man who would eventually end up in show business. I think we're I both- think your story <laughs> is more... Perverted and 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 it's not filled per- with no it, no oh it's odd it's not perverted it's odd no no it's odd. no no it's to not masturbate per- to like oh because I'm now Johnny Carson and Angie Dickinson wants to have sex with me yeah exactly <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> the way, the what it is the perfect name and why is that unhealthy I didn't say did I say unhealthy yeah kind of I meant just sick <laughs> <laughs> don't confuse my words I'm not a big literate guy like you no you're not no anyway no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are. I bet you. Ah, I shut be, up. I bet you. I'm drunk uh, now. Fuck you. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you Bill oh. Moore. Uh, Who cares? I thought this was America. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where about my freedom? Yeah. Well, well you, but come on. Anyway, one yes. thing I love about yes. your show with Steve, besides the fact that I've watched it twice, 
It just kills me both. No, no, you can watch that show twice, and it's funny the second time. Oh, I thought you meant just two episodes. Even though, no, I'm talking about your stand-up show. Oh, my stand-up show. The special, the special was the, Uh um, the other show I watch also, but I don't watch it twice because I know who the murderer is now. (laughs) Okay. But um, you guys play Red States. Uh, We play everywhere. You play everywhere, and we need more of that, not specifically from me. I'm not going to do it. But people will go out there and the audience can be guaranteed an experience where they don't have to think about politics every fucking second. And we don't have to shoehorn politics that is true. into every... That is true. Like, I, was watching- I, I do think that the audiences at this time, especially when you said don't watch you know, network news all the time and CNN... They need a respite. They need to breathe in, breathe out, and not be told. Especially, and not half the audience be told, you're stupid because you don't agree with me. Especially with comedy. Yeah. You know. So. I mean, I have a, like, I'll, I'll do a joke, an innocuous joke, like, uh, you know, um, Steve and I are like, we're a team. We're like Trump and the My Pillow guy without the sexual tension. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a, an easy joke. E- yeah. That's a, a yeah. silly joke. Right. You can dip your toe there, and it's. I'm just saying, we do different things. This is the exact opposite of what I'm doing, but it's ironic. We both attract a mixed crowd. You just don't know who in your crowd is for which side, but I guarantee you both sides are represented in that audience. And I think all, so, and I'm amazed. I know they are. And we they, play all these different right. states, and oh. I, the audiences are all the same. Right. They're all great. And they are a mix of political... Of course they are. Okay, but that's not the case <laughs> with a lot of things that are going on now. A lot of shows, there's no mixed crowd at Coachella. You know, there's not a bunch of fucking stuck-up-their-ass Republicans there. Um, What I do is, like, now I do get a more mixed crowd. It's still, I would say, 70-30, but, like, that's good. Because that way, you know, the conservatives, they get their jollies laughing at making fun of stupid woke shit. And, you know, the other people get their Trump is an insane, <laughs> horrible human being, and, and we can't have it again. No. And they all, they can laugh at each other's jokes against them, so, so to speak. And that is a greatly satisfying thing in my career at this point, to be able to attract a politically mixed and, and audience. It's every very, sta- do you very play every rare. state? I just probably I probably have played every state. Do I, I? I think of you as playing every state. I, I name a state you think I might not. I may not have been to North Dakota. Wa- played it. South Dakota. Yes. Um, I don't think I played Wyoming. I don't think I played Wyoming. I played Idaho. I played Boise. Mm-hmm. Um, you go to Boise. I don't think we've. I can't. You know. I. Well, don't, you're too I, good. Why? Because you're an A-lister. Oh my God! We haven't. <laughs> Here's the thing. First of all, in every state, there's going to be people that love Bill Maher. No, really, I'm serious. Well, so there are going to be a state. No state just has one. No, absolutely. That's why know. I play all over, and so do you. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, it's it's important. What are you how, doing? Cutting off the ash part. How come? How come? Because I don't want to smoke ash. You did in the old days. <laughs> I, I love jokes that are just rhythm. There's no meaning there. There's not a hit does, of meaning. Nothing. No, it's no, just you no. pulled it off with just talent. Yep. Thank you so much. No meaning. No, it had no meaning. No, just yep. talent. Just it looked. It looked like it. It looked like it should be funny. <laughs> <laughs> it 
could get a reaction, and then people on the way home might say, "Exactly, there's no joke there." What a con man does on the way on the way off the used car lot. There you go. Um, What were we talking about? It was so important to me. Oh, playing different. uh, I just think it's important that we not give up on the idea of as ridiculously polarized as we are of trying to get back to some. uh, I can sit next to the guy who. Yes, even a Trumper. They're half the fucking country. You know what? Try to understand more than just condemn. I get it about him, too. It's been eight fucking years now. Um, just kind of accept. Like, he's a liar. Yeah, I know. I, I did 10 editors about that before, you know. It was hip to call him a liar? Well, just whatever. I mean, when he sued me, I had a whole big thing. It was before he was probably... Anyway... Point is, like, hey, what happened to that? This lawsuit? is already baked in the cake. Can we move on to but, just? But what happened to that lawsuit? It just gets thrown out by the courts. Is that what happens? It was hysterical. I mean, he was suing me because I said his mother was an ape. He was fucked by <laughs> an, an orangutan. Ape. Was fucked by orangutan. And then he produces his birth certificate in court to show that the mother wasn't. I mean, he really did that at a time right after he forced Obama to show his birth certificate. So I literally forced him to show his birth certificate <laughs> in a way that no sane person would have. But ever... I mean, does it get thrown out of court? How does it? How does it work? Yeah, absolutely, it went to court. He he wanted the five million dollars. I said, I will give you five million dollars if you can prove your mother wasn't fucked by the orangutan. Um, you said that. Well, then. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. So. And then he literally went into. I have the letter. I prize it. It's one of my prized possessions from the lawyer, uh, Mr. Blah, 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 Trump was legally married, and they show the. I mean, it's just insane that, that because he wanted his five million dollars, and the judge, of course, read it and went, "Get the fuck out of my court." Good, 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 good. Yeah, that's that's one of the bad parts of our judicial system is that. There's almost no penalty for just trying anything. Absolutely agree. And, you know, and, and, and the, the appeal and on top of the appeal on top of the appeal. But just, you know, like I can just say, um, you know, uh, Martin Short is a cannibal. I happen to know it. I saw him eating human flesh. Um, you in Hollywood, his A-list friends, you decide if you want to stand behind him. But uh, I saw him punching an ar- ar- army hammer once just to get to a rib. Um <laughs> No, and he's not a cannibal either. But, like, I could say that. And, like, if then you take me to court and libel and, like, I am not a cannibal. I've lost work over this. I was going to doing a commercial for Kraft Foods. That went away. <laughs> um, and, uh, I, and uh, you know. And would, there, I, there win? Would, be no would pe- I win? There would be no. The judge would throw it out probably, but there would be no penalty on me for having done that to you. It, was, it would be like, hey, I took a shot. Yeah, yeah, I knew it was bullshit. I took a shot. Trump, you got me. Okay, I'll try it again. And that's why Trump... But what if I'd lost work? What if I'd actually lost the craft service contract? I don't know. You know, I mean, obviously different cases result yeah. differently, but... In gen- you're no big legal mind. Really. I'm, <laughs> well, I'm not... I'm not as I'm not completely ignorant. Of I did, the, did the, I say you were ignorant? I said you weren't a big legal mind. Yeah. F. Lee Bailey and you are never used in the same sentence. Let's put it that way. No, but you know what? I've learned, and this is don't say that I'm on some sort of anti uh, you know uh, expert um, diatribe. But yes, that's true. We have become too skeptical of experts. But 
we should be skeptical of experts in general. I mean, I certainly, well, I certainly feel like this is proved over and over again in the medical field, like doctors, you know, they disagree with each other. They, we obviously don't know lots of fundamental things like how do you cure cancer and why do you get it? Lots of stuff that is fundamental that we're, we just don't have a handle on yet. We're trying, but so don't come to me with, well, the experts say, which ones? Because I can come up with experts who disagree and they have the same degrees. I kind of go with the majority. You know, you're always going to find well, a doctor that says blank. Not just a doctor. I'm talking about... Serious. But if it's 3% versus 70, 97%, I'm going to go with the 97%. Well, it's not 3%. Well, let's say it it's is. Not, it's not. If you get something and you go to a doctor, they, it's something like complicated, they will always say, get a second opinion. That's true. And, okay, well, why does that work for you personally but not in general? Because I think there are second opinions. Exactly. There are second opinions. It's not 3%. Because I've had this happen, and it's never the same opinion. In fact, it's very often the exact opposite opinion. So I'm just saying experts, and legally too, I don't know, I'm not a lawyer, um, but I just know that the legal system is never about the truth. It's just about what you can prove and... And if you have the money to keep hiring the lawyers. The money, who the judge is that day, right? what his biases are, what did he have for breakfast, you know, lots of things. <laughs> You're right, not a great legal bar. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but but instinctively... No, the, the instinct's there. It's always been I'm there. I'm not wrong. Well, I, did, I, did, I did a special once, a stand-up special, and that was the title. But I'm not wrong. I feel like that <laughs> really stood the test of time. I feel like, I feel like that a lot. Like people like, oh, Bill, how can you? Yeah, I know, how can I? But am I wrong? <laughs> right? I mean, isn't that what people like about it? Did you see the poll? I'm like the most trusted man in America now. I could show you to. Is that true? Yeah, well, they did a thing. It was a headline. I'm going to show it on the show Friday. <laughs> it's like, you have the most trusted media, like more than like Tucker Carlson and Jake Tapper and like, um, yeah. It was some Well, some I think poll. probably because you go in both directions. And I mean sexually. Yeah, because I... <laughs> No, I mean, no, you go in both directions because you, you, you don't, I mean, Tucker oh, I, just defends I one say, idea. I say what I think about That's both, right. both sides. And both sides, you know. It, and I think that is a very, I mean, that's kind of what you've always done. It is what I've always done. It's just that in years past, the left gave me less to work with. They are the comedy fodder, the political parties. And Obama was not funny. Which was great. He wasn't a buffoon. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't crazy woke. He spoke. He has great quotes against, look, this woke shit is hurting us and got to stop. That's not what, I'm a, I'm a liberal. I ain't, I ain't this other stuff. And uh, so there was less to make fun of. Then, you know, around the time Gen Z becomes ascendant, and there's a guy who wrote a book about this, um, that's when you see just a real change in like sensitivity and uh, just just lots of stuff that went way into crazy town. And it is always a pendulum that kind of writes itself at one point, but it has to go over well, here. It seems to to land in the place. It but the land. problem is that we thought the millennials were where the pendulum was up here, and it would backlash mm-hmm. with the Gen Z. But it actually, the pendulum just went all the way up. No, to but the top. even look at cancel culture; it has subsided. Don't it you ha- think? It has not. You don't think so? Of course not. It, uh, the, I mean, all you have to do is 
say, it, 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 I was just talking about this with Harvey Levin on his thing tonight before you got here. It's just potluck. Some people, like, they can say almost anything <laughs> and they skate. And other people, you know, just, it just it's, it's, you, I think, could get away with anything. Not anything, but like. Is the whole A-lister thing? You have a, A-lister, <laughs> great goodwill, funny, and, you know, there's a, there's a humanity. You don't stay on the scene as long as you have. Like, very p- people are working at your age of 87. No. 88. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Thank you, you for I, under going under. <laughs> That's very kind. I bet you you will be working at 88. George Burns was. Yeah, I think you have to quit when the voice gets all shaky. <laughs> I think does. that's when you have to leave. Uh, I could do this all night, but just for my point before about modern medicine, like we get, we romanticize how much better it is than it was in the past. Yes, it's great. We don't rub dirt in wounds anymore and stuff Bleeding, like that. Ble- leeches we, are we out. We don't put, you know, wooden teeth in people's mouths, but that was not Don't that talk long to Kanye. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the all titanium. Thank you. Right. But... Yes, we're the best we've ever been. We're still like at the beginning of really understanding how it all works. Besides the big diseases, there's like thousands of ones. They call them rare diseases that people get shit and they just don't. It's like, we, that's not even on the in pile. No, I know. Because we're trying to figure out these biggies. And uh, I mean, I was hearing a podcast uh, today and Mark Ruffalo was on, and I didn't know the story where he talked about having a dream, because he had an earache, he had a dream that he had a brain tumor, and then he goes to his doctor and said, I I know I'm an actor, and I had this dream, and he had a brain tumor. Oh, really? And he had a brain tumor. He lost hearing in one ear. It was benign, but it it affected his face. This is when he was like 33. And he found out about this because he had a dream about it? He had it? a dream about it, yeah. And the dream was so convincing that... He... he just thought, I know I'm being an idiot. And he kept thinking, I know the doctors think I'm a moron actor. But my doctor said, all right, we'll do a CAT scan and you'll see that it's just over right. your head. And they had a mess. And it was in his head. <laughs> it, was, it was in his head. No, but it's an amazing story. And he said his wife... And this is, is something you don't a... want to get. I don't want to get that. Right. No. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I want to end up getting. You don't think about it. Don't, no. What, come on. What, why would we think about those things? I mean. Oh, I don't. See, I actually don't. I, I, you know, because I'm still, you know, I'm 73, but I'm not particularly well, aware of that. You know, I'm not like hobbling or I'm still running around on the, on the stage in a nude suit, you know. Right. And I, so I have no perception of that. Okay, but you know the line, and not that everything revolves around a man alone, but except when the darkness comes, (laughs) right? Yes, I know that. Except when the darkness comes. Yeah. I'm not, I stay busy, I'm not morbid in general, but like when I get up in the middle of the night to pee, as we all do. (laughs) Not me. Really? No, once in a while. At your age, you don't get up in the middle of the night? I just go in the bed. (laughs) <laughs> that was not what I was expecting. Oh, I, I thought it was going to be a positive thing. <laughs> it actually turned out to be even more negative. No, no, no. I actually, that, well, go ahead. Let's hear about all your prostate problems. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, that's when I think morbid thoughts. I don't know why. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why that moment of the day, I guess because you got up in the middle of the night, you were sleeping, and then... Um, now you're not saying, you know, it's going to have to get back to sleep. 
And yeah, that's when it's like things like that. And it's like, it's pointless. See, I don't think about it. I think more like, you know, guy at LAX. Ed Grimley was my brother. You know, like Garp or something. I think about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Morbid, but funny. Thank you. Right. Right. Somebody who. You never know. Right. Well, they don't usually assassinate, uh, not to undercut your A-list status, but <laughs> people quietly up your status. Not that you haven't done very well at show business, but you're just not on the Gandhi level. You know what I'm saying? You're not Gandhi. According to you. You're not John Lennon. According you're, to you. You're not Lincoln, was a friend of mine. You're I know. You're no Abraham Lincoln. Um, you're, you're done amazing. You were an American cousin that night, weren't you? Yeah. What? Oh. This is your, an American cousin. Thank you. Yeah. See, I'm a historian. I see. Yeah. I went, uh, I went. I started a diary, you know, as a Canadian, but I started a diary the day Kennedy got shot. <laughs> and it was a made up, like a diary, like I made the pages and did the lines, you know. And it's the opening is November 22nd. President John F. Kennedy was shot by some, in quotes, nut. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was 13. So, yeah. Back then, news like that reached Canada? It did. Oh. Not right away. This, this is <laughs> now after Christmas now, we heard. That was something I found fascinating in, in that book you wrote, that in your childhood, Canada was, it was much more of a different country. American Canada became very similar. I mean, just like a big blue state now. Yeah, but... but, it, but just like in your day, like, like you couldn't get certain products that you'd see on the... Bosco. Get, when I first came, one of the first things I did when I went to Buffalo from was went to the supermarket, just squeeze that Charmin. It is soft, I thought. Why? Because you didn't get it there. We didn't get Charmin. We didn't get uh, Ipana toothpaste, and we didn't get Bosco. And right. these were I only watched American television through Buffalo, so I, I never watched Canadian television. So I was dying to get these things. It is amazing that um, period in the early 70s when you were in Godspell mm-hmm. and the, uh, the amount of talent that came out of that like milieu, the Toronto, not just all the SCTV people, but like Victor Garber, right? And Danny Paul, Aykroyd. Paul Schaefer and right, Gilda Radner. Gilda, well, we all did this production of Godspell. Ivan we Reitman, in the it. director, didn't, wasn't he? Who? Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman, I met him in, at McMaster University at school. Okay, I mean, it's like, there was a real flowering. It was kind that. of a little bit like Paris in the 20s. I mean, there was all the, I remember meeting Danny Aykroyd and, you know, he just was always working on his car. Do you know what I mean? He was not... But I met Danny at Gilda's birthday in, because uh, I have a slight Rain Man thing. It was no, June 28th, 1972. And uh, now we were rehearsing Godspell and Gilda's birthday. And Danny Aykroyd and his then comedy partner, Valerie Bromfield, played Gilda's parents from Detroit and stayed in character the whole night. <laughs> and I thought, who are these people? And then <laughs> I remember now I was dating Gilda and I'd be driving her vol- white Volvo and Danny and Valerie would be in the back and I'd deliberately get lost because they were so funny. I didn't want to let them out. I mean, I'd never experienced anyone who improvised on that level that those two did. You know, the best pot never leaves the home country. You know what I mean by that? Nope. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> like the best comedy is in the back of the car. No matter how much, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No matter how much we try to bottle it, uh, 
and put it out for sale. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and in your case, try to get more than just a hamburger at the uh, yeah. at the comedy um, store. The best pot never leaves the country. That's what I try to do with this. You know, it's the, it has been such a joy to like to sit with you because you know what. People, we don't get together enough because we're all so busy with our own lives. What makes us get together is it's a job. Not even a job. It's just like it's something formal. No, no, but you and I have had that's many not times. We've had dinners. Uh, many, many. Where it's just we phone each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, would we just sit here and get drunk, <laughs> which is what I really want to do with you? Yeah. We don't do that. So it's great. We, Hollywood. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> well, that means <laughs> might be an offer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That means it's time That's for you, the, it's time for our lightning round. Yeah, exactly. That's but my old wait, answering service used to just have three words on it. I'll so take it. Do you remember dates like that? You just said I'm it's sort of a Rain Man thing. Yeah, like June. You said June twenty. Yeah, I remember dates. I'm not good at math, but dates stick in my mind. Oh, I, I once I, I know your birthday, I never forget it. I don't know your birthday. March twenty sixth. I'll never forget it. See? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was too easy. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, that was very that good. That was professional. No, no, you're good. That was professional. You're good. <laughs> I've always said you're good. <laughs> I set you up. Never... I set you up like a fucking. I know. I, just... I know. Um, and ex- and no, I no. I so I don't remember theaters, but I remember dates. I can remember. Uh, I would say to Nancy, you know, when did we? When do you think we first went to Paris? And she'd say, I don't know, seventy-eight, eighty-two, and I would know the month and the thing. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I could name. <clears throat> yeah, and I keep a. Fo- and I, I'll, Steve and I will. I'll say something. Oh yeah, I remember that party you had. It was nineteen. Uh, 89, he just looks at me and says, yeah. fuck you. Because <laughs> he can't. Also, remember. if you name a movie, I usually can get the year. Like, I usually can remember the year of the movie. Okay. Uh, love Story. 70. Very good. You agree? Yeah, no, I think it's 70. Yeah, or maybe 71. Right. No, I think it's 70. Okay. Did you ever the one of the great... Raging Bull. Oh, Raging Bull would be 84. 80. Really? Yeah. See, now this is not my gift. But did you ever see the Carol Burnett? <laughs> Carol Burnett on their show did a great love story parody, and the premise was she's now collapsed and she's she's got the long hair. Hello, preppy. And Harvey Corman came in, <laughs> and he's in full skates and hockey equipment because he was a hockey player in the movie. And he says to the doctor, "How is she doing?" He says, "She's got five minutes to live." <laughs> he goes, "Oh." He says, hi, honey, how are you? Can I get you anything? And she said, I'll have a four-minute egg. And he goes, that's cutting a little close, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that is priceless. Yeah. I got to tell you, I watched Love Story recently. I Does it hold up? No. The short answer, no, and I'll give you the longer answer. I, I wanted to show it to somebody, you know, who wasn't shall we say, alive when it was made. Okay, so I don't know why it came up. I think we found the book in my house. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was. I just thought, oh, you know what? I got to recheck this out because I remember how, what a phenomenon it was. Oh, my God. In that year. Um, That's right. It was just like the biggest thing. It's like, 
well, what the fuck is all the fuss about? And I watched it. I am a hard cry in life, but an easy cry in movies. Mm -hmm. Like, like I'm embarrassed at some of the movies that have succeeded in making me cry. There's a certain way. Mad, mad, mad world? No, (laughs) no, that made me pee my pants because it was three (laughs) hours long. But, um, but uh, love story, nothing. It's for for a story that's a tearjerker. It it is the least tearjerky movie ever. It's just it's sad, but just not like the kind of sad that's like oh, lots of things are sad. And it's like you know, like rich guys, the way you look at poor people. You're like oh, <laughs> you're like oh, you're sad. You're sad peasants. But I'm sorry, you know, I didn't. Uh, hey, I never lived your life. No. Yeah. Not my monkey, not my circus. <laughs> Moving on. No, but, uh, well, love story. I mean, I but think... But it's nothing. I just got... It was like, yes, yeah, she... What if you saw Terms of Endearment again? I did see that recently. Oh, come on. That didn't make you cry? First of all, I didn't... I remembered... What I remembered from it was, again, this is 1984. That's correct. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Uh, and... What I remembered, it, it was like the movie of that year. We right. were all coming all over this one. Okay. I forgot exactly what it was about. I remembered Jack Nicholson as the astronaut. Yes. And the mo- the one line I remember then, I remembered one line, and I loved it again about, you know, she he's with Shirley MacLaine at the restaurant. That's and right. Ordering a drink. We're going to have a lot of booze to kill the bug that's up your ass. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Right. Yeah. You remember. Exactly. Okay. So, um, but that didn't you? You didn't cry at the end. I forgot that the plot was once again. America has this love story, no pun intended, with like killing young girls. <laughs> it's like, like, how do we get them sad? I have this perfectly healthy young girl, and then suddenly, boom. well, it was based on a book, as you know. Love story. Yeah. Eric no, 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 Siegel. No, no. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about Love Story, but uh, Love Story was a huge book first. Eric Siegel. Yeah, Eric Siegel. He was like this Yale professor. He did Jonathan Siegel. It was such a. uh, It was like a hundred pages long. It's like this the flimsiest thing, and for some reason America went apeshit over the story of Oliver. He's rich, a preppy, you know, and uh, played by the gorgeous Ryan O'Neill in the movie. And like a big mansion house, and the father Oliver, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Ray Milland. Yeah, you're right. It was Ray Milland. Yes, okay. sir. Okay, and uh, and she's of course the Italian girl. Was it from the other side of the tracks? Yeah, who wasn't? Low. Yeah, who low of low stature, but great character. <laughs> and uh, of course they fall in love, and then the father, I will disown you if you. She's Italian. We can't have an Italian in the fan. That's a would be. But he changes tune at the end. He did well when when she's dying he became nicer to the son <laughs> oh, you know yeah. i thought you meant because <laughs> no. <laughs> wasn't he stepping out on her i mean no after, no no no. after she got sick not before oh no no during yeah well you know he's a guy <laughs> well come on she wasn't able to put out <laughs> yeah no 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 he was very loyal to her yeah ryan was great in that and then he was great in paper moon yeah and what's up doc and what's up doc with streisand that's a great one that's yeah. a, a, a uh, not just an homage. I think it's a remaking of a... Uh, bring a baby. Thank you, yes. Look at you. Bring a, bring a baby made in 1936. <laughs> 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 oh, boy, you must keep Marilyn's stitches. <laughs> <laughs> Marilyn's stitches. 
You know, look. What? Um, Are you oh, happy? You know what? Should I have another rum and coke? I think you should have a double. <laughs> Unless you have to or want to go. I never want you to be here if you don't want to. But I, I will tell you that I have an unadulterated view that I would love to have you here more. Because I don't see I would, you enough. I would come here, here every day. I'd live okay. here if you'd ask. <laughs> That's ridiculous. But why? Make you, can I make you a drink? No, no, I'll do it. Look okay. what I'm going to do. <laughs> no, get your filthy fucking hand. <laughs> That's so Jerry Lewis. I know it is. Man, <laughs> Jerry would do. I watched do the, that. I watched the Nutty Professor. Now, okay, let me ask you this, Jerry Lewis. Yeah. I'm going to name some famous comedians or comic people. I'll name anyone. And you have to give me, um, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest. For example, Mike Nichols. We're talking about comedians? We're talking about anyone, but Mike Nichols. Oh. Like, I would go 10. 10 is high? Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm maybe 10. Maybe 10 no, 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 10's low and 1's high. I mean, <laughs> what, what happened to you? <laughs> hey, lit this. Um, um, Mike Nichols... Yeah, well, I would certainly put it at a uh, nine because, like, did he have a period of greatness from uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, The Graduate? I seem to remember. Well, those are the first two films, but then, you know. Right. You, but, like, um, you have, Angels in America was good. But Working like, Girl, you have. Um, I don't, I'm not sure. I'd have to watch Working Girl again. Um, Mike some, Nichols, to me, was someone in my life that. I knew for over 20 years, 25 years, and every time I was at a dinner with him, I'd pinch myself and I couldn't believe. Because when, I, I always think We're that- Making my point about A-list, like there's nobody more A-list than Mike Nichols. Yeah, and I once said, that, I was at an art opening and, and Mike said, <laughs> um, <clears throat> where are you staying? And I said, at the Essex house. And he said, no, but really. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm sorry I didn't get to see him do the comedy. That that was before my time with Elaine May. I've seen some. Oh, there's great. Of, I have great yeah, copies. No, of no. Stuff. All the it sketches. was so sophisticated. Yeah. When I see stuff like that, I think, I it's rueful because it's like, damn, I kind of wish I lived in an America where the audience was that hip and sophisticated and that smart. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know you that audience still exists in the country. It's just surrounded by a lot more rednecks <laughs> and idiots. Well, I, I, the, I don't but, think I don't think we. Heard but there is still from. a sophisticated audience there. I mean, my audience is only. I, I mean, I can't imagine anyone who you wouldn't describe as pretty sophisticated watching my show. They just would not be interested. You know, if they weren't that, sophisticated, that you have to to watch. Oh, my, absolutely! To watch my show, you have to know things, or, or else it's just like they're speaking Chinese. And there are many people in this country. I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying, like, if we're talking about the you know ACLU and NATO, they're like, what's that? That's okay. But your show has gotten even and, more, you know, um, in, I, I'm not intelligent, but I mean, for example, when you used to have three guests, yeah, it would be two smart right. people, and you know. Um, no, I, I wish I had done that sooner, and we got rid of the mid-show guest. Right. And it's just me and two people and a one up top. Um, I'm excited Friday. Gavin Newsom is the first. Wow. Isn't that a great out-of-the-box? Love him. Booking, but, like, you know. Well, he's done your show <laughs> well, who before. Who cares about that? About I have that. actually said. <laughs> who cares about the country? I'm talking about the booking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I've actually said, you know, about Gavin Newsom, I said, you know, look, 
It's show business, guys. Right. I mean, Gavin Newsom, no. he, he's killed him, Bill Maher. Yeah. I will actually say <laughs> right. that. Right, yes. Because he has. And, yes. And, I mean, I've been trying to get him to run for president for 10 years. And this is a guy who, like, I can't wait to talk to him because I think we can have a very friendly chat about some of the things that drive me insane about this state. And I'm hardly the only one. We have an exodus, you know, of... You know, some pretty heavy hitters from here. Is he going to be the first guest? Yes. You know. No, we're going to put him on the panel with <laughs> Carrot Top. <laughs> no, that's the old show. We wouldn't do that. That was the old show. No, but it could that be. That was where I was on. That's why I was on the panel. No, you did I was the Carrot. Well, I was your ca- but Carrot But that's top. the compliment I was giving you before. Very few people. Politically Incorrect was a, we, of course we had celebrities. It was mostly celebrities. Yeah. The whole point of the show was a train wreck to see idiots talk. That wasn't, that's not real time. So, the, the very few celebrities who made it the jump from, um, and of course they're not idiots. It's just it's just that people want this for this show. It's like yes, it's that rarefied people who are still pretty sophisticated, and they want to see an adult discussion. And no, I'm not going to stop and explain what NATO is. Right. That's right, fine right. if you don't know. I'm not criticizing that. But yes, that's and you're and you're not insulted because you're not <laughs> you would not watch that's one reason i wanted to do this podcast because this is for everybody yeah i mean it is not like other podcasts have you have you done other podcasts i have done a few podcasts yeah they don't feel like this because they're you're well, in, no, 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 because it's in the day well actually most of them i've done well i've done i've done uh conan yeah. And that's in a studio. But, you know, you got earphones and microphones and people. and It's just much more like an actual show. This, to me, no, is no, this much is more like... like Oh, that's the camera there, I see. Right. This is much... Oh, we haven't started yet. <laughs> you know, I do have a life. I, I have a lot of a listeners waiting for not me what I've heard, restaurants. But, well... Oh, please. Are you kidding? You can't book me. Oh, I know. Yeah. No, isn't it great at our advanced ages? I mean, both of us are almost 40 now. Yeah, I know. That um, we can be doing so well because mostly people fall along the wayside. And maybe we were never like like the top of the top of the heap. Who cares? That that place is like gross in too many ways to, to make it uh, livable anyway. And we just like the little engine that kept going... And couldn't kill us with a stick. Couldn't kill us with a stick. And here at, you know, hovering 70. Um, and I'm 73. I'm, I'm your senior. I mean, I look better, but I'm your senior. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you've been carried out of Shangri-La. Not me. Carried out of Shangri-La. See, <laughs> no, that's a clever joke. Think about it. I, what's the opposite? Carried into Shangri-La? Well, when you're carried out of Shangri-La, you suddenly age. Oh, I, Shangri-La. See, I didn't catch no, you'd that. Have I, to, you'd I have know, to have read. I know what Shangri-La is in general. And there was a famous movie in the 30s. Yeah. Is it called Shangri-La? It's is called it? uh, Lost in yes. something. And it's a, like one of the all-time classics. Yeah. I remember renting it. Coleman. Yes. I remember renting it from Blockbuster. The film was in such bad shape that like a 10-minute part of it was just the audio, and they just showed a still. And it was just like, sorry, <laughs> this film is from the 30s. <laughs> so it hadn't been. Somebody did not store it well. or a Lost rap- Horizon. Lost Horizon. Eh, very good. Lost Horizon, it was made in, in 1936. <laughs> it's one of the, and so we just sat there watching, yeah, this still for 10 minutes with the audio. But um, I don't remember. Oh, wait a second. So Jerry Lewis, a scale of one to two. Oh, well, the Nutty Professor, that's, <laughs> that scene where he 
he convinces Stella Stevens to fall in love with him, you know? Yeah. Where he like, uh-huh. <clears throat> he meets her at the Purple Pit. If people, people remember the Eddie Murphy one, which was great too, but in the Eddie Murphy one, the professor, you know, he's fat and then the formula makes him thin. And, and Jerry's, he was just yeah, a nerd of a guy. And then he becomes like the ultimate, like coolest, handsomest, yes. most, biggest egomaniac in the world. With nothing, the slick hair, the nothing, way Jerry kind of saw himself. Nothing you know? like the real Jerry Lewis no, 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 in 1963. No. We did, uh, we did a parody of it on SCTV called The Nutty Lab Assistant. Yeah, I'm sure. And I was Ed Grimley. <laughs> and John Candy, who was, a, you know, was I the vaguely head of the remember stick. this. And, I was a, and then I took the potion, and then I became John Cougar. Because <laughs> he was before Mellencamp then. That, he was just that John Cougar. That show was so creative. That was great. Was there, it was. There was never a better show. Never, never one that I look forward to more than SETV. We did, I remember, we'd, we would do anything we want. I remember one time, someone, one of the writers, Paul Flaherty, pitched, Mom's dearest. It was Mom's Mabley beating her child, and it was just a, a camera coming in on the on the house. And, of, and, and you but, hear, you know, the, and Paul was doing Mom's Mabley. I'm on the Moy Griffin show, and I'm and you're supposed to clean up your house. But it was ex- called Mom's Dearest. But explain it to the younger people. There was a movie called Mommy. Dearest. Mommy Dearest, but and there was Which Mom's was Mabley. Big, what what year was that movie, Mommy Dearest? Oh, I bet it was 1980. One. I don't know. I, I, that one, I, I don't yeah, have. Yeah, I, I bet it was 81. I'm not getting a number. Uh, Usually I do, but I would guess 81. But I, I think it's 81. It was also a big movie. It, it was huge. It was, a, who was it? it was about somebody real like Joan, Joan Crawford. Crawford. Yeah. Right. And she beat her children or whatever. She went with a metal, no metal hangers, <laughs> that thing. <laughs> and, you know, she was this monster mother that, like, she'd look out the window you know, in a mask, because she's a movie star, and her kids would be swimming and exhausted, and, and then she, the one little girl at 10 would want to get out of the pool. Quitta! You know, she was a horrible <laughs> monster mother, that was supposedly. Her daughter, Christina Crawford, had written a book called Mommy Dearest, because that's what she I got to look up. I gotta, so Mom's Dearest was Mom's. I got to rewatch all SCTV. It's been so long. It was, I, it, it was really Some of them I still stick in my mind. John Candy coming out of the sensory deprivation tank with the, with the music <laughs> thumping and the smoke. It's like I saw it yesterday. John. You with the, Did you ever meet John? The spin top restaurant Did you ever meet John? on top of the... Yes, that was the... Uh, <laughs> nuclear plant. That's right. I played Johnny Nucleo in, in that, yeah. Did you ever meet John? But, but a, a spin top restaurant yeah, right. on the top. Well, it was Towering Inferno. That was the top of a nuclear plant. <laughs> I feel it's just a bad idea from the start. Yeah. Am I wrong? No, no, no. Okay. But so. did you meet any of those cast members? That's so funny you say that. In 1983, <clears throat> Cara Lefer and I were two of the comedians on the Young Comedian Special. Probably my first time on HBO. That was the HBO thing, and they would have a celebrity. That year, it was. John Candy. Really? And he was the host of the show. And, you know, they probably paid him a hundred grand just to walk out and say, and here's another nobody you never heard of who's <laughs> starting out, but he's one of the funnier people in the clubs. Right, right. And there I was in my little suit and did my little shtick about Catholic father and Jewish mother, and, you know, whatever it was. And uh, I was thrilled. That's where my mind was. That was like, wow, I was nervous. He's a star. I've seen him on TV. I mean, God, I would love to find a way to get back into that head just yeah. for like 
just the for instance of that just hit. for an yeah. hour just to remember yeah you you probably had thought that if you could do that and go back you'd go oh my fucking god really that's what was rattling around in my brain yeah well i mean but understandably why wouldn't you be nervous why wouldn't you be excited i mean that's and he was sweet you know, and we had to do a little skit. He was fantastic. He was exactly yeah. what you hoped right, he would be. Right, right. A John. jolly, fun, fat guy. And funny. And, and funny. funny. A funny, fat job. <laughs> you keep going to fat. I see him as a spirit. Yeah. Well, I see him, you he know. Was, you no. judge people. That's uh, different. I don't judge, but no, I, don't? I, I'm not blind to people. I do, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, nothing wrong I mean, with that. it was a great... No. I mean, problem with the fat... Catherine O'Hara? Have you met Catherine? Problem with the fat character is that you can't, like, lose weight and not also lose your character. That's... See, you, I you, think... You put yourself in a bind when you're like, if you ever got a trunk full of fat jokes and you lose 100 pounds, <laughs> what do you got? Well, that's what Nichols and May used to have um, this thing... <laughs> He, they did this sketch where they would go, um, the next three sketches are about adultery. It's coming back, he'd say. And then they'd do this adultery in England, and these two people are talking, and, and Lane would say, well, I ran into fat Piggy Trevelyan the other day. God, she's fat, fat woman. And he goes, fat, troubling, oh, fat, fat, fat. And they go, fat, fat, fat for a hundred times. And then there's a pause, and she says, actually, it was fun to see her. She's lost a tremendous amount of weight. <laughs> and Mike says, how does she look thin? Fat, she says. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that we can, like, I mean, you were saying your list, <clears throat> put, like, Jerry Lewis and... Um, who did you say? Before? Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols. <laughs> okay. I mean, they, they're worlds apart. Like I would say so. Right. But we love them both. Absolutely. Right. Okay. If We should think that way politically, maybe. You know, Jerry Lewis, I mean, <laughs> he's, so, he's Trumpian in many ways. He's so preposterous, <laughs> right, in many ways. Like, even the real Jerry Lewis. Yeah. And you know that somewhere is that tape of the movie The Day the Clown Cried. Uh, I, yeah, I've been, to I've been told a friend of mine has it. I hear A-listers can get it. I could get it. Can you? Sure. I don't think you can. I think you... No, I don't know if, it, it, no, I don't know if it's like really Like three assembled. people have seen it. If people don't know what we're talking oh, about... Oh, it is assembled? Jerry Lewis made a movie... No, I know. <laughs> ...at the height of his egomania about a clown in a concentration camp... That's during, right. ...during the Holocaust. Right. And he's like with the slick hair and he's practically wearing... And still keeping the rings on. Exactly wearing the pinky ring yeah. <laughs> in the barracks. You know, yeah, it's know. Just, it's just... Apparently it was... And no, he, it was... Somebody got to Jerry before he released it and said, Jerry, I know I'm going to get fired, but I'm telling you. It's not going to work. the most monumentally inappropriate thing. I remember seeing Harley working in yes. Paris. And I saw it with uh, Nancy and, and, and I said, you know, it's 1980. And I said, you know, we got to get there because we were in Paris. It's called Aubelougerie. And they loved him in France. Well, right. Course. And I said to her, we got to get there early because I'm telling you. They're going to be lines. Right. We got there with five people in the theater. Really? Yep. Yeah. And 15 minutes in, Nancy and I turned to each other simultaneously, and I said, isn't this great? And she said, do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't working for her. I was loving it. Oh, Baloo. But at one point in that well, movie, uh, someone says to him, oh, young man, and he turned. Exactly. 
I remember like this 62. movie. He was 55, 55 and he was okay. playing 19. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He was playing the exact character he played at 19. He's playing 19. He was, I remember he was a uh, like a, a gas jockey at a gas That's station. That's right. Right? Okay. Hey, that, 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 with I didn't mean to do it. It's just like at 55. <laughs> uh, this is a problem in Hollywood. Did you see uh, Killers of the Flower Moon? I did. Okay. Great work of art. But like Leonardo DiCaprio is just too old for this part. He's playing a like doughboy who just came back from World War One. Was he a general? He's 50. <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> he's, 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 but, general. No, really. The part should be a 22-year-old. The naive... Like he carries out the evil. You know, it is interesting. He's just ridiculously. I t- saw that film, but I must admit, it's it, maybe it's because he's a big movie star. That didn't enter my mind until right now. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and that is, and look, he's a great movie star and a great actor and charismatic, and I want to watch him for the rest of his career. I've watched him and loved him in so many things already. Right. Um, but he's too old for that part. It's not his fault. You know, Martin Scorsese comes to you and it's like, hey, we've worked together a bunch. I got De Niro. It's, you know, it's going to win all the Oscars. And, you know, would you? Yeah, but I'm sorry. That's just my honest opinion. That's why the A-listers have a problem with me. It's the Golden Globes. Yeah, they don't watch the Golden Globes. You're going to spout truth to them. Who comes How home? How dare you? Who comes home from the front lines at 50? <laughs> you're, you're either dead or a general, I'm telling you. It's ridiculous. And, You're a dead or a general. And he, you know, also, like, it would have been better. Why would the Indian girl fall for him so readily? It would have been better if he was, like, irresistibly studly at 25, like the, you know, the guy who just played Elvis. Well, maybe she'd like seen him. Titanic. it's ridiculous on a number of levels Uh, among them the movie hadn't been made yet titanic what year uh the real titanic i went this is so you oh no no the well the titanic is 1912 but the movie is i'll tell you exactly it was 1998 seven i went well no that's not true because i saw it in 98 i I went to the premiere. 97, okay. I went to Christmas. I went to the premiere, December 21st, 1997. Yes, I remember it. Um, and loved it. Always have loved that movie. And I was in London. I don't get Avatar. Saw it with Helena Bottom Carter. Do not get Avatar. I love Titanic. I do not get Avatar. Um, I don't... I don't know why that's, and look, it's just me, because obviously it's like the most... Other people uh, liked it. Yeah. Other people just loved it. First of all, I think it's basically Cowboys and Indians. You know, it's a little wokey for me, because it's like, okay, the the Navi, you know, they're the Indians, they're peaceful and loving and kind, and, you know, Indians did attack each other here and so forth. I mean, we're all humans. Okay, so... Um, Okay, in general, maybe they're more peaceful. And then, you know, the, the, the bad people from the other planet or whatever, they, they, they come and, um, you know, like the people who are like the Navi, would you live like the Navi? No, you don't want to live like the Navi. You're rich. You were born rich. You'll die rich. No, but you if know. I was born a Navi, but it's what I know. Yeah, I don't think you want to wipe your ass with bark and like... Sure I do. No, <laughs> no, you don't. You want electricity and you want a nice, clean place to sleep. Yeah, but sleep what if you don't and- know that? You know, once you get electricity, you go, oh, this is great. But if you never had it, it doesn't matter. 
I am very of the, remember the difference between you and me is I'm of the people. <laughs> you must admit we have had unbelievable lives, mainly yes, not about yes, success. Absolutely. No, I know. About the number of dinners we've had, not just us, but in our life where there have been people that laughed and the laughs we've had. And that has been the luckiest thing of my life. When I look back on the people that I've worked with, you know, and, and you know, then you go from SCTV and then I'm suddenly I'm in a room with Chris Guest and, and Billy Crystal and Harry Shearer and that's SNL. And then I move on to the movies. I'm, you know, it's amazing. I remember the first time Chris Guest is one of the funniest people in the world, you know. Oh, well, his, and, mo his and, movies. And, and, and when we were, I was just getting to know him. On, on SNL, because I only did it one year, and I didn't know him. And he had just had Spinal Tap that summer, and there was a stage um, right behind us for the read-through, the big Wednesday read-through, and Chris and I are against the stage, and uh, they only did that one year where people could get up and perform their piece. And um, uh, so two actors got up, and I turned around to look at it, and I noticed Chris wasn't turning around. <laughs> I thought, okay, who is this guy? Why wouldn't he turn around and look at these actors? And when I turned back, he had written three flight options back to L.A. On <laughs> top of my script. One time I said to him, I was making this film, Captain Ron. He said, Martin, what's oh, this? Oh, I love that movie. He said, what's this film about? I said, well, I play a man who inherits a boat who has two children. He said, I didn't say spoil it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He's funny. Yeah, he is funny. I mean, people, you know, you think of him as the director, but yeah, you mentioned Spinal Tap. He's also Nigel Tufnell, whatever. Yeah. He's the guy who says, I want it to go to, a, to 11. 11 on the, on the yeah. you know, so. No, he's, I mean, he's no. brilliant. But anyway, look, so uh, that's what I'm saying the success of our lives is how many funny dinners we've been at. I mean, it's one mark. I, I agree. The, when you come down to it, I think in life, I mean, wow, there's just a few things that really float your boat. And one of them is friends. Friends, hanging out with friends. Yeah. Like, that's like sex, conversation. Everything else is kind of secondary. Yeah, you can go bowling. You can go a movie. I always said movies and theaters will never die out because it's something you can do on a date and not have to talk. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of things you can do. Uh, but, like, what do you do in, like, the first six months of a relationship when it's just, like, super hot? You talk and fuck. You know, then, then comes, like, hanging out with other people <laughs> and, like, <laughs> going out with, you know, more eating and, like, you know, bowling and <laughs> whatever it is. But, like, the, the real, like, pure heroin is either this or sex. Those are the two really get to my cerebral cortex. And when I say cerebral cortex, of course, I'm speaking out of my ass. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not a scientist, but I'm just guessing that's a good place to be. So, yeah, well, it's a hip, you know, little phrase that you learn once. Maven. Oh, I was going to say, that scene where he... He, he meets his buddy love, so he takes the form. Buddy love, that's it. He becomes the hippest, coolest guy of 1963. He goes down to the Purple Pit, 
where the college kids are all hanging right. out and he picks up Stella Stevens and then they, <laughs> they cut to, they're pulling up to like make out point. Yeah. He's got her alone in his car and he just <laughs> he gives her the handkerchief, remember? Yeah. He goes, yeah, wipe off the lipstick, shove over next to me and let's get started. <laughs> And she gives him a big speech about, well, this is one kitten. It won't be smitten, but, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he waits for her to finish, and he goes, I said wipe off the lipstick. <laughs> and then he just, Well, he's Mr. Hyde. Yeah. And then he convinces her. You know, he does his Jerry thing. Yeah, no, I mean, Jerry Lewis, I would put in that pantheon, but yes, also Mike Nichols. Who are some other people who you... Jonathan Winters? Not so much for me personally. You personally? Ten. Ten? Yeah. Um, for me personally, I'm trying to think. Um, Johnny Carson. Oh, well, I mean, that was a lot of my... That's, that's like the Beatles. There's an emotional aspect Absolutely. to that. Because it was adolescence... You say it in your book about, like, the first 15 years of your life, you're just absorbing it all, and the rest of your life, you're, you're spewing I remember it. him talking once, and he said, you know, he was just telling a story to Ed or something about, you know, dropping a friend off at LAX. Now, I'm in Hamilton, Ontario. I'm 14. And I'm thinking, what would it be like to be Johnny Carson's friend? That's why I was masturbating about it. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're making my case for me. Yeah, but you were visualizing Johnny, and that's the that's I was the not. I was oh. visualizing myself as Johnny. No, I get it. If I thought that I could put James Bond's life in my backyard, I would have done that. <laughs> but all I had was like, yes, I couldn't be a talk show host at 12. I yeah. always said about <laughs> masturbation, there has to be a thread to reality, or else you can't get off. You have to have a... I used to do a bit about, like, I could never masturbate about um, like having sex with a girl in the Middle Ages because we're not in the Middle Ages. Like if I see a movie about the Middle Ages and there's a hot chick, like, okay, what am I going to do? Get a time machine? <laughs> okay, all right, I'm back in 1262 and I'm the jester at the castle and she's the serving. <laughs> and she loves a comedian. Yeah, she's a serving she's a, wench yeah, and I fuck her in the dungeon. Wench. You know, like, <laughs> like I can't masturbate my way back to that. But like, so... In my 12-year-old mind, I could have been a talk show host <laughs> with a tent in my backyard who's having sex with attractive women yeah. because they love a talk show host. Well, they love a comedian. Uh, Johnny was the greatest. Johnny was, you know, I didn't do it for a long time when I could have because I was, and I realized because I was terrified because I loved him so much. And around, you know, 82 after I was, I'm an SATV, and I was asked to do, do it, and I thought, no, I'll just, I just do Letterman because I'm too hip. You, you know? kind of have a history of like um, turning things down. Yeah, right. That you should have. What is that about? A fear, I think. Really? Certainly, with Johnny was fearful. I, what I, about what was the thing in the book where like everybody in that little troupe went on to? Oh yeah, Second City. Yeah, I didn't want to do it. I was like funny, but I thought, oh, I got to be funny on the end and. I know, I, I know. But I also wanted to be an actor and I wanted to do plays. Yeah, again, that's why you don't tattoo things at that age, right? <laughs> no, I agree. Because... Bad decision-making. Bad decision-making. Yeah. It's amazing anybody gets to 25. It really is in some ways when you think about some of the things that were... You're... Oh, also, I mean, you know, drinking and right, driving exactly. the car. We lived, oh. survived that. Oh, my God. 
I have a memory of leaving a party and swerving around a corner. I still remember it because even then I went, oh, something's wrong, you know. I'm, I, 20, I'm 23. I have a memory of being in the woods behind my house. There was still wood. You weren't masturbating, were you? Uh, <laughs> you know what? We used to bury Playboys there. Of course you did. We would steal Playboy and then be all mud on them. But there was, And there was nothing to see back then. It was so tame. But no, we didn't masturbate in the woods. But, uh, <laughs> but I, we got this. This is college. And me and my friend who went to another college, but we were home on vacation and we had this stuff. I guess it was what the was the early form of poppers. You know poppers? Yeah. You had <laughs> poppers? Well, in the woods. I think it was the same drug. What it was, and it was this. <laughs> What's a bottle? It looked like a little vial, not that little. And you took the top. Oh, you sniffed it and sniffed it. Yeah. And you would turn like impossibly beet red. And be, How old were you then? 19. Oh, you're 19. I thought you were and, 12 again. No, and, and you would laugh your ass off for two minutes, and then it would go away. I mean, it seems like the potential to die with this shit. No, would no, you, I think that was actually I, a liquid popper. I for, It was. But what if I forgot and swigged it? You know, or what if it just, <laughs> I assume with the, the redness, it was forcing blood. I, I mean, it would be easy to have, like, killed yourself doing really stupid things. And... Many and people do is the sad truth. People do all the time. Absolutely, you know, and they don't. I know Freddie Prince. Do you remember Freddie Prince? Yes. Okay. Was Wasn't he not, was like twenty six when he died? Yeah, and he was a giant star. If people don't remember, in the seventies, the first Puerto Rican comedian and Chico, and I'm the, the man. man. <laughs> right, right. It was <laughs> Sammy Davis who Chico, and the man could only know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and his and his catchphrase, he's not my job. Yeah, that's right. Okay. He blew his brains out at 26. He was dating Victoria Principal, who was like one of the great sex symbols of her time. And he had a son. He had a son, I Freddie think. Freddie Prince right. Jr. Right. Right. And uh Was he only 26? Jeez. Just was do was so like fame was like so overwhelming. He went right from the hood to fame. And um but I think he just was so out of it when he did that to himself that he didn't really know he was doing it. I mean, yeah. I mean, the life he would have had, you know, I mean, he must have been aware of that. He was this bright guy. He had everything oh. going for him. He was handsome and he was a star. He was the age when he died that they should have cast that Leonardo DiCaprio part. There you go. <laughs> okay. Why well, how old was James Dean was 26 or something? Wasn't he? I feel like the James Dean myth is all about him being dead because, like, I just watched Giant. Oh, he's great in Giant. I think he's great in Giant. I don't think Giant is great. I, I, well, I that's it's a another one. It's like, like, I've never seen Giant. I was watching a, a, a documentary about Rock Hudson, which was fascinating. Um, and they, of course, mentioned Giant because that was Rock Hudson's big breakout role, right? 19, right. 1956, the year I was born. So I was like, oh, I got to watch this movie from the year I was born. Everybody talks about it. Wow. That was a slog for three hours. It's a long movie. Well, and it's like, look, it may have been great for its day. Things, it, it's a real trick to age over 60 years. It's about racism in Texas in 1956. Right. And it's just, it's just very, it strikes me as very two-dimensional. I guess it was daring back then. But Elizabeth was cute. I never thought so. Really? Not my type. Do you know when I was 13, 
my friend Mitchell Rosenblatt and I were at, his uncle had tickets to see Ham, Richard Burton in the Hamlet in Toronto. And we're in the King Adia Hotel, and a woman walks through. She has sunglasses. She gets in the elevator. And I'd never seen this. She took out a key and put it in the elevator so it was clearly a locked floor. And I said to Mitchell, I think that's Elizabeth. I'm 13. I think it's Elizabeth Taylor. He said, no, it's Elizabeth Taylor. I think it's Elizabeth Taylor. I think. And then this door opens, and she turned around. She was like 33, and she took her glasses and said, yes, it is. Wow. We almost fainted. Wow. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. I've learned through the years that I tell stories that I think are accurate, and then I find out they're completely inaccurate. <laughs> like I was having dinner with Nathan Lane, and Nathan, I said, well, Nathan, we were other people, and I said, well, tell a story about, you know, when you were at the Ritz Hotel and and Princess Diana was at the same restaurant, and, she, and you raised and you toasted each other. He said, that never happened. I was at the Ritz Hotel in Paris when she died. I didn't never... I said, I've been dining out in the story for 20 years. That That's you a pretty good Nathan Lane. Thing. Well, I got gifts. Yeah. Um, but um, what were we talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'm always saying that on this show. They, they, they have to put together a montage of that. That's one reason I love it. Oh, this. Jack Kennedy. So, so this might be not accurate, but it's kind of accurate. And so Herb Ross married Lee Radswell. Her what? Herb Ross's director. Herb Ross. And he married Lee Ratzewell, her sister. Correct. And so Steve at that time is doing Waiting for Godot on Broadway with Robin Williams. Bill Irwin, Mike Nichols directed him. It's the biggest ticket. You know, no one can get a ticket. It's at right. Lincoln Center. It's not a big theater. And it's those two. And it's 1989 you know, or something. And... Um, so then he goes to the back. So anyway, Lee Radswell gets married. Jackie has a party at her apartment. And now, and this is where I could be wrong, but let's say it's her apartment. And uh, Steve goes to the bathroom and he comes out and Jackie is there. And he says, um, she says, I'm so looking forward to seeing Waiting <laughs> for Gado. <laughs> and he says, well, listen, uh, Mrs. Onassis, if you have any trouble getting tickets, uh, I can help you. And she said, I think I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But she I, had I, kind of a, a kind well, of a, a very, Renoir and Marilyn. They both, she and Marilyn both spoke like, it's 1960s, we need to, uh, men cannot hear our voices. Uh, it was, it was, it's, I, I mean, Marilyn Monroe, I'm sorry. I, I know she had a rough life, and I feel bad. <laughs> I feel bad about it, like you do, the poor people. But like, she just and every story I ever hear was that she was a nightmare to work with. Yes, it was because of the sadness, but it was you know she was drunk or she wouldn't show up or you know they'd get three words out of her. Cut. Perfect. All right. Well, pick up the rest of this. I thought she was great. Well, let, here's what's interesting. You thought about, she was great. I did because I'll tell you something about Marilyn Monroe and Cary Grant. They never got an Oscar. Marilyn was considered just, you know, but they were never replaced. Who replaced Cary Grant? Who never got an Oscar? Who replaced Marilyn Monroe? Johnny Knoxville. All right, touche. Right. Not my best guess, but. No. Um, yeah, I, I, well, of course, no putty of, of Cary Grant's stature is ever replaced, but were there leading men who came mm -hmm. along? Ryan Gosling is doing it now. 
the Burt Reynolds did it. If you're talking about the good-looking guy... Who, Burt Reynolds was who, not who, Cary Grant. No, of course he's not, because he's not exactly Cary Grant. But if you're talking about the good-looking, leading-man guy who plays against type and isn't just good-looking and an idiot and... And has Ra- some talent. Uh, you know who else? Who? Ryan O'Neill. That's exactly what he was doing. That's why they redid that movie with him, playing at the guy... The, we all fan- no, he was great. Men all fantasize about the great-looking girl who doesn't know she's great-looking. I'm sure girls fantasize about the same thing. The great-looking guy who isn't an asshole like most pretty boys are, who doesn't even know. Like in, oh, in, I'm not in, an asshole. In, <laughs> in, in What's Up, Doc, he's a scientist, same as in the, the original, right? You're obsessed, he, by the way, with What's Up, Doc. No, but he's a scientist, right? He's an egghead. So she's like, he doesn't know he's a, he's a gorgeous guy. This is a fantasy. I got to see this film again. But I'm saying people have done the Cary Grant thing. I, I agree. I'm saying he, he, he did was it. famous in 1934 until he retired at age 65 and 65. What was his last movie? Arab- Father Goose. Okay. Close Leslie Caron. Close to last, Arabesque with Sophia Loren. Oh, and, and Gregory Peck. Maybe. Spy Caper. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's definitely Gregory Peck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um, I got to see that one again. But, like, yeah. I Steve mean, says in our show, uh, I do the, the, I tell a story at one point with a lot of impersonations. He said, See, you do something that I don't do. You do impersonations because I don't need to. Oh, <laughs> that's, yeah, I get it, but I don't agree with it. I mean, impersonations are great. Like, there's nothing I Who like. do you do? Who's your best impersonation? Oh, um, who do I do? Um, well, I've done, I, I've done my Gavin McLeod. I've done my, I've done my, uh. Everyone's asking for that, especially the college. Maybe camp. my Jerry Lewis is Buddy Love. I don't know. But impersonate, like on SNL, the best thing they can ever do for me is celebrity impersonation. Like no they, one is greater at that than Bill Hader. The fir- it's funny you mentioned that. The very first thing he ever did on SNL was Al Pacino in some sketch. It's unbelievable. And I was like, you got me from that. And that when, when they do, and they don't do it enough, like celebrity impressions are just, they, that really Well, I mean, I think it's, it's not everyone has like his gifts, but even when Bill will tell you, if you have dinner with him and he'll tell no, you a story. No, but everybody can do one. So just do no, but when, if you if he's telling a story, he doesn't even mean he just breaks in. And then Jimmy Fallon came in, and suddenly he does, and it's not right. just good; it's right. perfect. I mean, Dana Carvey does that. Like, oh, absolutely, he, he will like if, if he when he goes into Dennis Miller, he not only does it is brilliant, but not only does he do the voice right, he ad libs like the jokes that Dennis would do that are like. Kind of like what Dennis would really do. I remember when Dana did uh, Johnny Carson. Oh, yes. Phil was doing uh, Ed. Yes, Johnny did not like that. No, he didn't like it. But but he did at one point, and he got that quizzical look. Like, And they say, Ed, that we are slightly out of touch. And and, and Phil goes, yes, peaked in the 70s, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that that was a real kind of gauntlet thrown down. That was, because that was within NBC. Yeah. And it was kind of saying, well, the ancien regime has passed its prime. Right. And there is, you know, there is, that's cheeky to do, to, 
to uh, an institution like that. But and, he didn't just have the impersonation, he acted it perfectly. That's yeah. Dana's genius. Yeah, but, I mean, the humor behind it was, these guys are yesterday's news. And, of course, every most people in TV do go on a little too long. I mean, these are hard jobs to give up. Um, right. I would hope. I did the last week of Carson. It was... Um, the people were lining, sleeping around the block, trying to get seats into. Oh, that's the homeless. This is L.A. <laughs> uh, who am I thinking of? No, no, but uh, really, it was it was such an event. Yeah, yeah. I remember Seth MacFarlane and I sang to him. Um, I had my writers and I worked hard rewriting the words to "Thanks for the Memory," and we we sang it to. We got in tuxedos and sang it to him. Because, you know, Jay never really quite got his due as, you know, he was, just, because he's just so self, unself, you know, aggrandizing. It's also Johnny, there was only one talk it, show. It was a different time, exactly. Yeah, there was only one. I mean, he was the big. You know, there's a great, there's a great Johnny Carson. It's a Thanksgiving one. It's just fantastic. I watch it every Thanksgiving. Doc is on fire and it's just Johnny and Doc. And Johnny says, well, I'm, you, I feel badly. Do you want to come to my house for Thanksgiving? And, 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 he, and Doc says, well, what am I supposed to say? No in front of 15 million yeah, people? Yeah, I remember that. And you go, 15 million yeah. people? Yeah, there, I think there was one year they got 17 million. And this yeah. is at 1130 at night. Yeah. Yeah, there was no Game Boys. There was no... No. There was no internet. There was, a, there was no recording it. And there was no recording it. And <laughs> yeah. the other thing is you yeah. had to walk across the room to change the channel. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's a big journey. Right. This is why it's so annoying when, you know, the younger generation just won't learn about the past but still make pronouncements about the present without any view of like, well, things, are, things aren't any better than they ever were. Yes, they were. Yes, they are. You know, we were there. We were there. We saw, we've seen a lot of change, and it's a little arrogant not to want to even know about it. But, right. But, you know, they, they're very into this sort of feeling of wanting to be a social justice warrior. And the warrior is the part that they care about. I'm a warrior. What the issue is, they, they can get very foggy on that. It doesn't really matter. They're like, now they're all for Hamas. You know, it's like, maybe do a little research on that one. Well, October 7th was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well. All right. Did so we do it? I, I would do this forever, but I, I'm just going to, like, let you off the hook. <laughs> I'm staying here, by the way, because this is, first of all, I can't get up. And secondly, it's so comfortable. All right, I'm up. Look at that. 